Hey guys, I'm here with Samantha D. Pro Life Sam on Twitter. Found her account because I love what she posts about abortion and all that that whole difficult topic. Well, it's not really difficult in my mind, but the difficult topic in general in society today. Thank you, Samantha, for being on. Do you mind giving a brief introduction on who you are and what you do? Yes, thank you for having me. Um, so basically, my name is Samantha. I have been on Twitter for a while, and um, my main goal on Twitter is just to talk with a lot of pro-choicers and talk about some of the main pro-choice arguments for abortion. And then I come in and, and do my best to explain why those those arguments don't really make sense and they fall short because pro-life is usually the best route to take. Um, and right now I'm contracting with live action, and that's been a dream come true. Really enjoyed it. Um, I'm a mom of two. I've been married for uh, 10 years this past year. So um, that's pretty much it. Awesome. So you said you just started uh, putting out tweets because this was your passion. Was it because um, did, did you always feel this way? Was this related to your, your faith and how that was intertwined? Um, you know, it's funny because I did not think about this at all growing up. I did not think about abortion at all. I didn't think about um, any related abortion topics, IVF or surrogacy or any of that. Um, I didn't think about politics. And so what happened was I, I went to college um, and for a little bit and got out of the house. And I think that was around the time that, that Trump was running for office. And so things just exploded. And then everything became about politics and everything became like, you just kind of have to educate yourself because people have opinions and you're like, I don't know my opinion. Um, and I, I don't know. I think at one point I got a Twitter just to kind of keep up with like what's happening in politics in general. And I had no intention of making it a, a abortion Twitter or pro-life Twitter. I just, it was just my name and I was just a random user and I was just kind of scrolling through and um, I fell into like a rabbit hole as one does on Twitter. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I saw um, probably a pro-life tweet. I don't even remember at this point. It was like uh, probably eight years ago. I don't know, seven years ago. And um I just saw a lot of pro-choicers kind of coming at it with like their arguments. They're very basic arguments that you hear. And in my mind, I was like, well, that's easily debunkable. I was like, I mean, that's just not true. Like some of them would say like a fetus isn't alive. And it's like, okay, but we know it's alive. And so like I started in my mind, I was like, I know this is wrong. Let me figure out why I think this or why I feel this. And so I started just kind of doing my own research and finding sources that I would say pro-choicers and pro-lifers could use. So like sources that they wouldn't immediately say, well, that's a pro-life source and, you know, not paying attention to it. But I was trying to use like the CDC and government websites, um, Planned Parenthood themselves. <laughs> and um, yeah, basically it became a passion because I was like, it's so easy to debunk these arguments that it it's almost fun for me. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I was like, and it's so important. It's so important. Um, and that's kind of what ignited this passion against abortion. So I knew I was against it. I just didn't really think about it or put much effort into it until I started seeing that so many people were pro-abortion. And I was like, how could you support that? I don't get it. I, I thought more people would be, and I think more people are pro-life, but they're a little bit more quiet about it. Mm -hmm. And also I think Twitter is leaning left for the most part. And so you see a lot more pro-choice people on Twitter. Um, but I was just kind of surprised that they didn't have any better arguments to offer. So that's kind of how it started. And then it just steamrolled and it's been years now. So Awesome. And I'm assuming it feels like the, the reason you see more pro-abortion nowadays is because of the falling away from Christ and going to church and understanding the moral law that that's put on all of our hearts and people just want to shun, shun that away. And I, I think it's, it's just difficult the time that we live in with how people just want to ignore all of that. And it, it's very frustrating, especially when you see a lot of pro-abortion, a lot of times they're atheists and I don't even want to get into the people that are pro-abortion, but also consider themselves Catholic or any type of Christian. That that frustrates me to no end. But when you have pro-abortion activists, why do you think they go so far out of their way to dehumanize the unborn, make them less of a human? Yeah, 
No, it's funny because um, I've obviously spoken about abortion to a lot of people. And it's a very common question to say, like, what do you think the pro-choicers are doing this? But it's like one thing I've I've noticed is like they're all so different. I don't even think that they the only thing they have in common is that they want abortion to be legal. Um, but they have so many different reasons and it all just it's person by person. Um, I see a lot of the women that I debate with have personally had an abortion. And so they have to, in their minds, dehumanize the baby so much because if they accept the reality that it is a baby, then they have to accept the reality of what they've done to their baby. And I mean, obviously you have children, I have children. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't handle my child dying on accident. So the fact that like they'd have to come to terms that their child died because of a choice they made, that is so, I mean, you can't wrap your mind around it, you know, as, as a parent and as somebody who values their children. So I think um, a lot of people's motivation comes from, from that. But I think, you know, I think that people start at the stance of abortion is good and should be legal. And then because that's what society tells them to, to believe. And then what happens is they want to be, they want to feel logical and they want to feel like it makes sense. And so they, then they kind of go backwards and they try every possible argument that sounds logical um, to try to reach that conclusion instead of starting with the truth and trying to work their way back because then I think that would lead them to being against abortion. So yeah, I think I think if you dehumanize them enough, then it's it's the same argument for slavery. Like you don't have to feel as bad about what you're doing because killing fetuses just it doesn't sound as bad as saying killing babies, even though it's exactly the same thing. So mm-hmm. I think it's just a way to justify what they're doing and saying. Yeah, it seems like they're just using utilizing language to try to skirt the issue when you have like fetus, which is just offspring. It's literally another way to say baby. And it's it's very, it, for me personally, before I got back into my faith, so I, I had some secular years in college, which I feel like a lot of people do nowadays, but I drifted away from my faith and I was slowly getting back into it, but it was a period before I had my son where I was like kind of 50-50 on understanding the arguments for pro-choice and pro-choice meaning like it's the the rare case and then pro-life where I'm like, oh, that makes sense too. And then it, it all shifted when I had my son where my wife was pregnant and you see the ultrasound at six weeks or you could detect the heartbeat and it immediately clicked in my brain like this person he's he's a human there's no no ifs ands buts about it that it it all clicked with me and now i'm obviously now getting more into my faith is obviously i'm I'm pro-life so it's (laughs) i i wonder um if women out there that have gone through the abortion if a lot of times they just do it because society says that they should do it and they don't even think about maybe getting an ultrasound of any sorts or hearing the heart because maybe correct me if i'm wrong but there there are positives when uh women hear the heartbeat of their child in the womb that it stops them or on average more so stops them from actually going through with the abortion Correct. Yeah, no, that's exactly. I mean, that's what I've read, too, um, is that if they see the ultrasound or they hear the heartbeat, they're definitely less likely to choose abortion because that's kind of like, I guess, reality setting in. Um, But I actually I think about this a lot as a Christian, because I've heard the argument from other Christians that, you know, all these women, they should automatically know better, you know, know better, no matter what society is telling them, because the truth is written on our hearts. and Again, this is not my studied biblical take, so I absolutely can be wrong. I'm open to being wrong. I wouldn't be offended if someone said so. But my thought process is, like, the truth is written on our hearts. And, like, I think morals are written on our hearts. Of course, that's what the Bible says in that sense. And, like, we all inherently know that God is real. And I do believe that for everybody. I think they deep down inherently understand that God is real, even if they say they don't or I don't know, but I think what happens is there is a confusion between killing innocent life is bad, which I think is written on our hearts, versus the science of understanding is this innocent life or is it not life at all? 
And I think that's where people trip up because our society, I mean, literally has trained people to believe it's not. I mean, I think of like these, these kids who have grown up in like, you know, the middle of California and they have these liberal parents and right from, right from the beginning, these parents are like training their kids, like women's rights and these things, you know, and, and it's not a human, it's not even, a, it's just a clump of cells and it doesn't have a heartbeat and they're lying to you. And then they go to school and they're pumped with that same exact information. And then they look on TV and they see the news and they listen to these newscasters and they're saying the exact same information. And then they go to college and they have these professors who are so smart and they know everything. And they're saying the same exact thing. And then they talk to even their local doctors and their doctors are saying the same thing. So if your president and your doctors and your professors and your parents and all these people and your TV shows and your, I mean, lit, everything is, is coming at you saying it's not a human. It's not a human. It's just a clump of cells and it's killing women if you banned that, you know, and it's, it's treatment for them and they really need it. And think of how innocent pregnant women are and they really need your help and people are attacking them. I, j I can't blame them. And I just don't know if the idea of like, I believe that the moral of killing an innocent human is wrong, is on their hearts. But I don't know if that means that, you know, that all the the science and the societal knowledge of what a fetus is, is also written on their hearts or, or put in their brains. So maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm almost insulting them because I'm thinking they're too stupid to just know. But, you know, as a woman who has always been pro-life, it's almost easy for me to say, of course, it's a human because I was pregnant and I immediately knew it was a baby. I immediately knew it was life inside of me. So I, it's a hard for me to like grapple with what women who do choose abortion are thinking. But again, it's like such a different lifestyle. And, you know, I grew up in church. I grew up with parents who are pro-life. My mom had seven babies. <laughs> so it's, it's just such a different thing where it's like we were trained differently. So I don't, I don't know how much slack to give them, but I struggle with that, you know, as, as a Christian coming to terms with like, what do they know versus what do they not know? So, yeah, I mean, it, it talks about, you know, the, the law, moral law written on our hearts and there's quotes in the Bible talking about, you know, before you were even conceived, I knew of you. And that seems explicit right there that, um, abortion is wrong and even you have now coming out you have uh, early church documents like the, the didache which explicitly states that we are against abortion outright against abortion pedophilia all that type of stuff and it was just right from the beginning and i just wonder where society goes when you have this push from like you're saying from top down all over the place it's basically pushing the idea of being inundated with sexuality because that's the whole point of abortion is that now you can have sex whenever you want and it's a combination of sexuality along with death because you have just the sheer amount of death and you see that also in ancient pagan societies like in romans the way that they're able to determine whether or not it's awful whether or not this building that they discovered was a brothel is because there was a, a baby graveyard next to it and it, it just and you saw saw what happened with that society when you know they lost their morals and man that's horrible. I actually that's the first time I've heard that that you knew it was a brothel because there was like a baby graves. I didn't know that anyway. Continue. I'm yeah, sorry. It, it's it's no, it's it's sad when you think about it. And I just don't know where society goes from here if we keep pushing this idea of uh, sex everywhere, death everywhere, and how what does that teach our kids and how. God obviously is smarter than all of us. I don't, he'll sort it out in the end of how he judges everybody because it, it seems difficult, like you were saying, with a kid that grows up in this, how can you blame them, so to speak? Even if it's written on their heart, it's kind of hard when it's written on their heart, but they're inundated with all this other stuff. So it's 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 very murky, and I'm leaving it up to God to sort that one out. Yeah, amen. <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of... Um how I feel for the most part, but I, I definitely feel hopeful. I mean, I, the one overarching arc 
you know, in the Bible, there's a bunch of arcs, but you know, one thing is just always having hope. So like as dark as this, conver- I, I, I thought about this conversation ahead of time. And a lot of my abortion conversations, you know, have these dark moments because the reality of abortion is dark and it's scary and it's awful. I mean, it is, it is literally child murder. So there's no fun way to discuss this. Um, but one thing that really helps me process it and be able to advocate against it and be able to read so much about it and talk to so many people is just being a Christian, having that in my heart of like, there's always hope. Christ Mm -hmm. is, is, you know, he is in control. He is going to win this battle. He's going to um, get justice for every child that's been murdered. He is going to um, somehow turn this evil to help his plan move forward. And so that's the only thing that's helpful, you know, and the thing is like, as shocking as it is that this is happening, you know, as believers, it's like, we don't even have to be shocked. This is what God said was going to happen. You know, he said that this, this world is broken. This world is full of sin. Um, child murder is long happened. Like, you know, they always, it's so funny because pro-choice are so many times they think it's some kind of comeback that helps their case when they say abortion's been around forever. And it's like, yeah, we know, <laughs> we know child murder has been around forever. Um, child sacrifice, all of it. And so that's not some kind of win for your argument. That's we're trying to progress, which is funny because that's what you claim you want to be is progressive and, and move past these things. And so we're trying to progress past that. And you're sitting here saying, but it's been around forever. So let's keep it up. And it's like, I thought you were progressive. What happened there? <laughs> you know, it's like, you're losing me. Um, but it's just this idea of um, Christ definitely will overcome this. And so it's not our job to, I guess, put so much stress into it and, and use our lives to be upset about it, but just to basically be agents for him to move things forward the best we can to fight against it the best we can. Um, but overall he will have the final say. And that gives me so much peace. You know, it's like, it's not on our shoulders, even if we feel like it's something we should be advocating against and helping women and helping children and helping families that's on our shoulders as Christians, but to, to end all evil, that's, we can't do that. Only God can do that. So. Amen. And back to the, going back to cultures that having this for years, for a long time, again, you're not really looking at the best of cultures out there. If you're you're talking about cultures that do child sacrifice. And I think more pro-abortion individuals are, comfortable with it because it's kind of hidden in plain sight because it's done now in the womb instead of outside the womb where you had child sacrifices where they would be put on uh i don't even it's just awful when you hear about the child sacrifices of old aztecs religions and it's just all throughout pagan society and it's disgusting to say the least but if they could have a time machine and go back maybe that would change their mind because it doesn't matter where the uh, action occurs even if it's allowed in society, it's still morally wrong. I, initially, in my head, I think it's like, oh, if you murder someone in a house that says able to murder because the government allows it and, and outside of the house, no murder is allowed, it's still wrong in both locations. Morally, it's, it's awful to do because you're just murdering a, a human individual. No amount of statements of, oh, this is under the law, okay, in this area will change the moral right of that yeah no and it's funny because like you said like i think it is easy for them to not think about or care about or it doesn't make them as uncomfortable because it's happening in the womb behind a door in a doctor's office where people go and they say Planned Parenthood is so good so they get happy when people go to Planned Parenthood so it's just they don't have to see it they don't have to wrestle with it they half of the ones that I've spoken to don't know what an abortion is they are so pro-abortion they will fight tooth and nail they will die on that hill but they could not tell me what it is (laughs) and it's like I, I it's so hard to you know I guess it it almost makes me feel a little better. Again, I, I'm a positive thinker, but it's like the fact that you don't know what it is and you're supporting it makes me feel better than if you knew exactly what it was and you're supporting it because mm-hmm. I feel like that's two kinds of like sin, you know, both yeah. bad, you know, you shouldn't be supporting it at all. But the idea that like you really do think it's like healthcare, clump of cells, not alive, um, saving women's lives. You think that it's treating ectopic pregnancies. You think that it's, you know, all these things. Um, 
that makes me feel a little bit hopeful because at least you have some sense of moral to help women and that's mm-hmm. your back you know bone for that uh versus like you know exactly what it is and you're just cool with babies dying because that's mm-hmm. that's kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around i would be fascinated to uh because all of this inundation, but I feel like it just takes one visualization of what's happening to change somebody's mind of what's going on with an abortion. I just think of the outrage if somehow a state government decided, oh, in health class, you need to show a video of what abortion actually is and what's done. And you, you probably have kids because kids, I feel like they know the moral law a lot better than parents because they've not been inundated as long with society as we have. And they'll say immediately right from the back get-go that like, oh, that's wrong. And they'll have that image in their mind. And if only we could do something like that. Yeah, yeah. Not to plug live action, but live action, they have a series and it's it's really well done where they basically go on the streets and they show a quick video um, that is done by people who used to be abortionists but are no longer abortionists explaining what abortion is and kind of breaking it down and it's so cool to see that video because people start off saying no I'm definitely pro-choice and then at the end of the video most of them not all of them but most of them will say wow I had no idea that that's what I was supporting I'm definitely pro-life or at least more pro-life than I was before so um, I do think that truth impacts a lot of people it you know there there's always going to be people who who see truth and deny it but but i think that um the chances of more people you know coming alongside of us would be with like facts and logic and truth and we have all that on our side so yeah we need all the pro-life organization to pull their money together and send and put in for a Super Bowl ad of some sort that basically just chose that, yeah. it where it would be right in people's face because that's where most people nowadays, unfortunately, that's what they worship is um, yeah. football and sports and all that. Or yeah. send it a, a Times Square billboard. I'm sure that'll that'll go over well <laughs> as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, oh my gosh, there'd be so many protests. <laughs> I say, let's do it. <laughs> protesting the sign. They'll just be standing in front of the sign, basically. Yes. No one to yeah. actually protest. Uh but you, you talk about the, the going back to different cultures. So is that one of your more frustrating arguments or what is the, the most frustrating argument that you always run into when you're talking with pro-abortionists? Oh, um, okay. So frustrating, I would say, are the ones that are like just so obviously wrong that like even other like pro-abortion organizations and, you know, um, abortionists themselves admit. So that's probably the most frustrating to me. Like when people say a fetus isn't alive or a fetus isn't human or a fetus isn't a child, all of those things, the pro-abortion people who are like at the top acknowledge to be true. Planned Parenthood like admitted already that it's alive, it's a human. Um, you know, abortionists who actually debate on the topic, if you listen to any like bigger debates, they say, yep, it's a human life. It's a human child. It's alive and we're killing it. And we think it's okay because X, Y, Z. And so like your own side is admitting these truths. But what's happening is that like, I think, honestly, I think that people at the top just want more people supporting them. And so they do like this thing where I think society as a whole, like in the news, on TV shows, and like those places is where they tell you a fetus is not alive and it's not human, even though the people at the top know that's not true. And it trickles down. So people who don't do the research or don't care enough, but are like real big supporters of just whatever the media tells them to support, those are the people who I debate the most. It's like, you know, like they're just so passionate about abortion. It's their life. They have it in their bios. Yet again, they can't tell me what abortion is. They can't tell me what a fetus is. I show them sources from their own side that says that it is alive. It is a human. They'll still deny it. They can't read a dictionary definition of fetus without getting mad. Like, (laughs) I, I don't know what to tell you. If you can't read a definition without getting upset, like you're not ready for this debate. Um, so I think that's probably the most frustrating. The most scary would definitely be more on the side of like, I know exactly what it is. I know exactly what these fetuses are. They are children and I'm still supporting them being killed. I don't care. Those that scares me more than frustrates mm-hmm. me. Like, yeah, what's wrong? I don't know. I don't know how yeah. to process that. <laughs> yeah, that that's it seems pretty evil in in my opinion. And yeah, um, what do you think for 
individual like because there's always this gray area of maybe mothers or fathers not quite understanding uh, but what blame and punishment should happen because we know we come after the doctors because they're, they're performing it but where where's the blame fall for the mother and father because in today's today in society i don't know how much ignorance really can you could say ignorance can stop you from getting the penalty of what happens. Like if you're ignorant to an issue with your car and, and something with your car causes someone to die, you you'll get charged for that. Or in this case, like a more extreme case, if the mother or father know what an abortion is, you know, you're killing a life. It's kind of the, the same ascent. It's more on the extreme example, but if you're like hiring a hitman to go kill somebody and the hitman gets found out, you're getting charged as well for implementing that whole plan. So, I, I, how does how do we navigate this scenario? Because I personally think I understand the logic of oh these these mothers and fathers don't quite understand the full grasp of it. But then another end is like ignorance is not a reason or it's not a way to just eliminate all of the burden that's on you for going through with it yeah i've gone back and forth on this so much um so originally i was like ready to be full-on abolitionist which means like you you ban abortion from the top down um everyone involved is charged including mothers and um there's really no like exceptions it's like just straight done, you know? And so I started off that way. And then I guess the more I became pro-life, the more I saw the side of like, I've spoken to so many women who are even pro-life now who said like, I genuinely didn't know it was a, a baby. I, I truly did it. Like I was young. I went into this Planned Parenthood. A doctor was telling me that it's not a human. It's not a child. This, you know, it, they didn't show me an ultrasound. I got an abortion, you know? So it's like those kind of stories. And then I also started seeing more of how society pumps abortion and like the support for abortion into everything. Again, our president is pro-abortion. Our vice president is pro-abortion. Our doctors, our professors, all these people. So I started to lean towards like, no, we shouldn't charge women because, you know, society has really trained them to believe it's not. So, you know, how could we hold them responsible for that? And now the last few, probably like the last year, I've been leaning more towards abolitionists again. <laughs> so I, I'm just like bouncing back and forth. But basically, it's kind of what you said, where it's like ignorance isn't, you know, um, I guess it's this idea. My The best argument I've heard from an abolitionist um, is the idea of like the law takes account for that. And so there are situations where it is super muddy because you know, you have a 15 year old who goes and gets an abortion without their parents consent and they and everything in their life is telling them and they're sitting on a stand and they're telling you, I really didn't know. Like, I truly didn't know it was a baby. And I'm not saying that means like she gets away scot free, but it's this idea of like, I don't think any jury is going to send her to jail for the rest of her life for child murder because of the circumstances and our court system takes all circumstances and it talks to a jury and, we, and they're the ones who make that final call and that way the people who do know exactly what it is celebrate it are excited are on their you know fifth abortion um you know the people who abort a baby at 30 weeks because of you know purely elective reason which absolutely does happen because they'll tell you it doesn't um, you know, their boyfriend broke up with them. So they want to go get an abortion at 30 weeks because they can't handle a baby. Those type of people, they deserve to be punished to the full extent of the law. And they're getting away with it because of the ignorance of other people. When I just, I guess, my you know, when the court will take account for that. And so mm. I don't want to see a bunch of confused people and young girls in jail, but I do want to see justice for the unborn. And I think the only way to sift through that is to actually set a law that says no matter who's involved in this killing, you are going to be held accountable, including the dads if they're involved, including parents if they're involved, including, you know, and again, it helps all the things that we think about these poor women. I think about all the women who are forced to get abortions because they're caught up in sex trafficking. I think of all the women who are forced to get abortions because they have a rapist who literally sends them in and says, get your pills, come back out. You know, those ideas where it's like, 
How are we going to save those women? The only way is if we make this illegal and make this harder to do, you know, there are still going to be people who push them to do it and it'll be easier to catch those people and end this cycle, you know, but if we keep it legal and accessible to all, then it's just going to get worse and worse. I mean, the numbers of women being forced through sex trafficking are like huge. I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge part of sex trafficking is, is the free access to abortion and Planned Parenthood keeping their mouth shut. So that way they have another client in a month. And so it's just this idea, like the only way to catch these people is we have to like be firm, set a law. And so I, I kind of think that everyone involved um, should have to be processed for it. I won't say that, like, I'm not saying throw them in jail necessarily, depending on the situation, but at least we acknowledge that it's wrong and they're getting some kind of, maybe even, maybe for the ones who really didn't know, and we can prove that in court, you know, then it's this idea of like, you get some kind of therapy that you have to go through, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that instead of necessarily jail. So I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs, but I would definitely say our laws should reflect that it should be illegal for anyone to kill. I don't think that we should give a pass to anybody. So I I agree with that. I think uh, we need to set the standard of what the law is and then let the courts decide it, sort through it all. Because that's what we do with all these other laws. We know, hey, this X is wrong. You murdered somebody. That's wrong. But let's sort out how culpable each individual is in the, the whole situation. And some people maybe get off with uh, so, like a, a smaller sentence than, than another person. And I think if you set the standard of this law of prosecuting uh, individuals that go through with this murder of the unborn, then you now will reduce the case of those sexual assaults or sex trafficking, because now in the back of their mind that you now have the the lane to go and prosecute the, the rapist or the sex trafficker. And now with the, the court system, I would assume that the woman would not be nearly as culpable because she's doing this under distress and being under threat, uh, would not be nearly as culpable as the, the sex trafficker who's forcing her. And now you're able to put those individuals away. And I think the best method is set the standard for society. This is not okay. And then let the courts, which is what they were designed for, sort out the situation. Now, with other all states, they're going to handle it differently uh, with how they prosecute individuals. But I think we can't just say, oh, it's they're, they're going to handle it differently and just throw out that possibility. And I think letting the courts start to decide how uh, women or men in the whole situation, doctors be prosecuted, family members, for instance, who also push this and let that or that whole let the chips fall as they they may and uh i think that's where we need to go and that's sort of where i've been leaning because no other moral law no other law is like oh maybe we need to sort through the the gray areas and the nuance of it before we implement the law no you you sort through it after somebody commits the crime you sort through the individual case you don't sort through it before you implement the law Exactly. I'm on the same exact page. Um, that's it. that's how I feel about it as well. And it's, I've spoken to even a lot of women who, again, are probably pro-life now, but they have told me directly, if, if abortion had been illegal, I would not have had one because in my mind, anything illegal is bad, so I shouldn't be doing it. So even if I didn't fully understand that a fetus isn't or is a baby, if I didn't understand that and I thought a fetus is a clump of cells, I still wouldn't want to be breaking the law because I don't want to get in trouble. And so it's this idea of like the law really could save so many lives because people don't want to break the law. Um, Mm -hmm. And you see that you see that in Georgia, you see that in Texas and places that we've already banned abortion as early as six weeks where um, there's less abortion because, you know, people don't (sighs) want to break the law. Yeah, it's wild. And the other thing, I I get a lot of pushback, um, and I I see a lot of pushback, you know, people who believe that, like abolitionists and such. Um, But one thing I think a lot of people kind of forget about how our court system works is it's it's, um, innocent until proven guilty. So for this, if we pass a law that said abortion is illegal, it's not like all of a sudden our jails are going to fill with like millions of women because so many women have abortions. Like it would be, it would be the, the, court's duty to prove 
that they've had an abortion. And honestly, uh, you know, I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm genuinely not. But it's like so many people will get away with abortion because it's it's a very hard thing to prove, especially when you're talking about like pills at home. You know, like, yeah, there, you, you, there are some cases that you could, you know, if somebody is like texting their friend and they're like, oh, I'm having an abortion right now. And like they're like live streaming it. I don't know. Like there's situations where we could prove it. And then they would be held accountable. But most people do it in quiet. And like most people you probably don't even know have had an abortion. So it's just this idea of like, you know, we're not going to be filling the court, you know, filling the jails with these women. And so it's just, you know, in the beginning when people are still pro-abortion and the law is against it, I do think that some abortions will still happen. I think that's inevitable. And I think that a lot of people will get away with it. But then I think as time goes, I think the law really is a teacher. I know that's like a cliche these days, but it is. And so if the law is telling you that this is a human and it's illegal to kill them and they have personhood now, because the biggest, I mean, if there's any argument for the law is a teacher, it's pro-choice arguments. Because how many times do you hear from pro-choicers? No, they're not a person. So it's okay. No, there's no personhood, so it's okay. The law says it's okay. If there's really children being killed, then call the police. You know, they make jokes about it, but it's like, okay, great. So we'll go ahead and pass it, and then you'll immediately have to switch because if your whole argument was based on the legality of it, well, now it's illegal. So you agree it's wrong, right? Because that's where your premise came from. And so it's just this idea of, like, I, I do think that over time, more people will be against it, not just because they don't want to break the law, but because like it's starting to set in that these are humans worth protecting. So I'm all yeah. for it. I agree. And I think this is the result of when we drift away from Christian values as a society as a whole that says outright that this is wrong. And once you start drifting away, that's when you start getting into the, the start implementing certain things like allowing murder of the unborn and that's just the slow decay of society when you start drifting away from god's moral law and it, it's very very frustrating but i i guess to to dive more into it um I, I saw one of your tweets more recently talking about banning sperm and egg donations ibs and i'm also assuming surrogacy as well and uh, what was your reasoning for why why do you believe that um i'm i kind of in the same boat but i just want to get your <laughs> view yeah no it's funny because even while i was doing pro life activism i used to still support surrogacy and ivf and when i say support it i just mean i wasn't against it i it was just not on my radar in my mind it was more of like oh helping people have babies and helping create life and so it's not inherently wrong and so i really didn't give it much thought and then just i think it just naturally happens in when you talk about abortion in the discourse i i got a lot of pushback from like pro choicers and they're like well if you're really anti abortion are you against ivf and it made me think it's like well maybe i should be i don't know i never thought about it so i'm glad you brought it to my attention <laughs> um and the more research i did into ivf like it kind of came more first from a pro-life stance than it did a Christian stance because I didn't think of it that way in the beginning and so as a pro-lifer I've learned that um, so I mean millions of children are killed through IVF I, I, the, the success rate of your child coming being born from IVF is seven percent the rest of all those children are frozen killed donated to science which also means killed um, and don't make it and so it's just this idea of like, that's millions of children. So if yes, if I'm being consistent as a pro-lifer, and I believe that life begins at fertilization, which is not a belief, it's a fact, and I do support that fact and acknowledge it, um, then yeah, I'm going to be against any process that also harms a child as early as fertilization. And so I think that's where I started being against IVF. Um, and then just over you know, probably a couple of years, I've just seen the effects of IVS and surrogacy and all these things that like, as a Christian, then it kind of tied back into my faith of like, you're getting away from God's design. And that's how I feel, you know, obviously, it's a hard topic to discuss, because, you know, you think about your children and how much they mean to you. I think about my children, how much they mean to me. I understand this urge as a woman to want children and to be pregnant. And the idea that people are suffering and not being able to have kids, it's a hard topic to discuss. 
But when I think about how God designed things, I think that as Christians, we should be striving to get as close to what his design for us is as we can. And I just feel like IVF and surrogacy are getting further and further away from it. You know, it's splitting the role of a mom into three instead of one, you know, where you have like the egg donor or the biological mom, you have the birth mother, and then you have the mother who takes care of the child. That's three different roles, three different moms. And in IVF and surrogacy, you lose one no matter what. And that's something for a child to mourn before they're even out of the birth canal. And so it's just this idea of like, why are we doing that to kids? on purpose. Why are we doing that? You know, it's like, you know, you think of your own mom and it's like, she's everything to me. And I wouldn't want any of those roles to be replaced with some other person that I barely know, or even a family member. Like I want my mom to be my mom in all accounts. And that's Mm -hmm. how God designed it. And so um, I just think there's a lot of different reasons why I'm against it. Um, But I would usually stick with the pro-life reason, because even if you're not religious, again, these are tons of children being killed, you know? Um, yeah. And so that's like the top reason, but like, you know, it breaks down into more, you know, depending on where you want to go, but even like the eugenics of it, the, you know, the biblical perspective of it, the, it, so yeah. um, the, I, I, the idea that it's a industry that profits off of selling children, that's a whole nother topic. So mm-hmm. there's so many routes we could take, but I'm happy to, to yeah, discuss I, any. I think it just, the way I view it now is that it just treats children as a commodity whether it's surrogacy, you're treating them as a commodity to be just sold off to the the highest bidder, so to speak. Same with sperm and egg donation; it's just a commodity to get get money, and then you don't have to partake in any of that. And I think there's also possible, like with sperm and egg donations, like if you're seeing a certain individual that's donating an excessive amount of sperm or eggs, for instance. I feel like you can donate a lot more sperm than you can eggs, but that there's possible concerns when it comes to inbreeding nowadays, because you see the infertility issues, which I think to kind of go with God's design is that maybe you're seeing man getting into God's design too much with say birth control and all, all that for ladies uh, as they grow up getting on birth control pills right from the jump, that that could affect their hormonal imbalances, which then results in their um, issues with conceiving. And you, you, that leads to the cascading effects of why women now need IVF or surrogacy, because you're already messing and messing around with God's design from the get-go. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree, which is so funny because um, I've never been Catholic, um, but, and so I, I, I know that we have some differing views when it comes to just like religion in general or theology or whatever that might be. And I'm also, I would say I'm kind of in the same place as you in the sense that like, I'm like a, a, a cradle Christian. Like I grew up this way. But when I say I grew up with this way, I, I've never had a point in my life where I didn't believe in God. I, I, I'm so blessed where like I grew up, I just knew he was real. I understood it. And um, people around me behaved as such. But my household wasn't like, like, I don't know how to describe it. We believed, but we didn't do anything about it in my house. Like we didn't sit around the table reading the Bible every day. My parents didn't, you know, follow all these rules as Christians in the sense you know, that it was kind of like a little bit more of a secular household in that sense. Um, And so I would go to church and we would read, you know, like what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And you know what? I was on board. I I didn't need a theological reason. I didn't need to dive deep into the Bible. I was just on board. And then I fell away from the church when I became an adult, you know, and I turned 18 and I had more freedom and I moved out of my parents' house. And, um, I still believed God was real, but I just felt like at the moment, I think it was just a, a, I don't know, teenage rebellion where I was just like, you know, I just want to go do whatever I want to do. And I was mad at the church for, you know, I felt like, you know, they didn't take it seriously. So why should I? And I don't know. It just, I don't know what my thought process was, but I fell away from the church. Um, And then it was funny because what got me back focused and understanding what I really did believe to the core was some Mormons came knocking at my door and they are the nicest people I've ever met. And I was 
you know, like I, I just always like making friends. So immediately we become friends and they're in my house like twice a week, every week, because they're on a mission, you know, mm. they have a purpose there, but I just want to be friends with them. <laughs> you know, I'm not here to like to become Mormon. I knew I, that I was not going to become Mormon, but um, we just got really close and we became really good friends. And it got to this point where I was like, I didn't know anything about Mormonism beforehand, but the more that they told me about their faith, I thought it was just a different denomination of Christianity, which it is not. And I'd be happy to have that discussion because I know that's a, a heated debate. So if anyone's Mormon watching this and they're like, yes, it is, I DM me. Let's talk about <laughs> it. But, um, you know, I thought it was just a denomination. But the more they told me about the God that they worshipped and the Jesus that they worshipped, I was like, that is not the God of the Bible. It's not the Jesus that um, I know. And so uh, it made me question, not question it like, am I wrong? But it made me feel like I know that I'm right, but I don't know why. And that makes me mad. And so I started doing my own research and my own dive into like, where does the Bible come from? Why do I believe that this is true, but other religions aren't true? Why do I believe the Book of Mormon is incorrect? You know, and so it, it put me on this whole path. And um, that path basically led me to you know, re rejuvenate my faith and take it really seriously and understand it. And so, um, I don't know, I think all of that just kind of ties into from then on, I just feel like I've just been able to take it more and more seriously, but also just like, that's just the lens of life I see through now, you know, where it's like, what's the closest we can get to God's design? What's our purpose as humans, which I believe is to glorify God. And if what I'm doing is not glorifying God inherently, then I shouldn't be doing it. And so I think the more I thought about IVF, the more I thought about surrogacy, and the more I thought about like children are being bought and sold, children are dying. Um, you know, it's it's very focused on what do the parents want? You know, I want a little boy. I want a little girl. I don't want someone with Down syndrome so they can die. Um, I want them to be born on this day. I want to have three of them, not eight. So even though I made eight, I'm going to freeze the rest of them and maybe someone will take them. Probably not. And, you know, when I thought more about like just the industry as a whole, like they're, they are, they're working hard. They are selling this, you know, how I can't tell you how many ads I've seen for freeze your eggs now, freeze your eggs now. So that way you can live your life. And then whenever you want kids, you can have kids. And it's like, first of all, that's not guaranteed. Again, there's a 7% chance that you're going to get a kid out of that. So don't, you know, hang your hat on that idea. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of where it started tying into my faith as a believer. And I became more and more in line with the Catholic view of like, let's get to the heart of of what God designed us for and how he designed us to have children in a marriage you know, with a loving husband where God is the center and the focus through sex, that's how we're designed to have children. And I just feel like that's what we should always strive for. And if that doesn't come to term, that's just something that we need to grapple with individually with our relationship with Christ, you know, where it's like, I'm not saying that, like, I don't know, I'm not saying that people who can't have kids don't have enough faith, but that's an argument that I've seen. I think that's a horrible thing. I think you could have all the faith and he still might not give you children. That's his decision. We might not fully understand it. It's horrible. It's heartbreaking, but it's something that if you really believe in God, you do have to, you do have to trust him. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, I hate saying that as somebody who has kids, cause I think it sounds very like, you know, I have what you don't, you know, what you want. And I'm just telling you to trust, but there's so many places in my life where like, I'm in a similar predicament where it's like, I'm not getting what I think I want right now or what I think I need right now, but you just have to sit and, and trust because there's a reason for everything. So mm -hmm. even if you don't fully understand it, you know, he's working. So I don't know. Yeah. You just have to trust. That was a in... long explanation. No, but... it's, it was great. <laughs> you just have to trust in, uh, trust in his will and what he may be calling you to be doing something uh, different. And I, I want to put out, it may not feel the same, but, um, mothering doesn't have to mothering and fathering doesn't have to be just your kids it can be a mentorship role it can be mothering in a different sense i know in the, the catholic faith we have nuns who go through the mothering process and being a mother for people that are in difficult needs that are in run down communities and they're a mother in that community so 
to you, how, as you're now raising kids, how do you kind of protect them from society that's pushing all the sexualization and death and all that? What, what are your plans for how to, to protect them from all of this? Sure. I, I think about this a lot, obviously, you know, as a parent, as a Christian, as somebody who, um, you know, because even as a parent, as a Christian, I guess you don't have to think about it a lot because some people are just not um, in that realm or paying attention or they don't really think about abortion. It's not really prevalent in their lives. They don't see, you know, what's really going on. They don't care about politics, all this stuff. Um, but as somebody who is paying attention and who is like very much in it, you know, and sees what the world is selling um, and sees how much influence the world truly does have on children. Again, like apps like TikTok, apps like, you know, even Facebook, even Instagram, like there's ads, so many, uh, you know, for Planned Parenthood, just you're just scrolling and then there's an ad for an mm -hmm. abortion, you know, for sale. <laughs> um, so it's just this idea of, I'm lucky right now because my oldest is three. So there's just not much that he's seeing that I'm worried about. You know, I'm very selective about what he's watching. Um, he doesn't watch. He's not just sitting at, you know, in front of a screen all day watching TV anyways. I try to keep him super active. We try to focus on just learning and reading and playing and all the fun kid stuff. You know, I'm just trying to let him be a kid for as long as he can, you know. Um, so I think my, my plan, I'm, I'm definitely planning on homeschooling. I mean, I, I, I would never let my kid walk into a government school and no shame for parents who do. I just, I can't, I won't do it. Um, there's a million reasons for that. And I live in a small town that is actually pretty conservative. And so, and my mom's a teacher, my sister's a teacher. And um, so it's not that I think all teachers are evil and I would never let them do this. Like there's some really great teachers out there. It's just not the education I want for my child. I mm -hmm. want to be able to have full control over what they're learning. I want it to um, be fun and ignite curiosity in them and let them like dive into subjects that they're really interested in and go full, you know, and not be held back by what standard based on the grade level that they're in. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of reasons for that. So I think just education, being involved in a Christian community. So that way, like their norm, I think is people who agree with them. And mm -hmm. so like, that's a good way, I think, to also help you know, not let them like just grow up in the world. You know, if you're sending them all day, eight hours a day, six hours a day to school, mm -hmm. and then they go to daycare after and they're just being taught and like, you know, by secular people, it's like, is it really going to be a shocker if they turn out secular? Like, yeah, I, I don't think so. And so my thing is the main people that my kids are going to be around are going to be Bible believing Christians. Um, but also, you know, there is there's such a healthy balance. They're they're not going to only be around Christians and then never see the real world. You know, mm -hmm. like they're not going to be trapped in my house. We go out. He's three and he's the most social kid I've ever met. <laughs> you know, he makes friends everywhere we go. We meet all kinds of people. We go to different groups and we have dates and we have, fun, you know, friend with friends. He has a huge family here. Um, and most of my family is actually secular. And so he's definitely getting a dose of like they believe this, they act this way, they say these things, and this is not what we do in our household, but we still love them. And mm -hmm. we, you know, we just understand from a biblical, you know, perspective, like there's gonna, everyone's different. They all have different views, different beliefs, but this is the truth. This is what we follow. This is what we hope that one day they follow. We pray for them. We, t we, we talk openly about it. You know, again, I, I'm one of seven and more than half of my siblings are not Christian, but it's not something I have to shy away from. I, I, you know, I tell them my views. We talk in depth about things. We talk about the Bible. We talk about God, talk about Jesus, death, all these things. Um, but we have a very healthy relationship with it. We're never screaming at each other and fighting and cutting each other off because we don't agree. You know, they're not offended by everything that I say. I'm not offended by everything they say. It's just this balance of like loving people who don't agree with you and hoping the best for them. And so I think that's just kind of what I'm planning on incorporating with my children, where it's like, we see the real world, but we're not part of it. Um, and honestly, I think where a lot of people fall short, or at least what I've seen growing up is that like, parents kind of just assume like, if I'm a good person, and I tell them God is real, they'll be good. But the thing that I feel like helps me the most 
becoming, a, you know, more serious about my faith and like understanding how it literally just impacts everything in life. It's not just like um, a separate box to, to put things in um, is the the deep theology. Where does the Bible come from? Is this real? How does it compare to like, you know, why are other religions fake and my religion real? And like, you know, I just I feel like if you actually teach them foundational truths, um, it'll be easier for them to one day hopefully accept Jesus into their heart, which is their choice. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if you give them a really good foundation of like the reality of Christianity, because that's what it is, it's it's the truth we live in. And so I think that's my my goal and my hope. But again, he's three. So I have a lot of growing to do with that as a, as a person myself. But um, I, I I do hope to have a good balance with my kids. Yeah, great answer. And I think people maybe watching this be like, well, you're going to have your kids in a bubble. And I say to that, good. I, I want my kids <laughs> in, a, in a bubble forming uh, their views in the bubble that I can protect them in. They can be yep. exposed a little bit here and there. But I think having a bubble just essentially means the community that you want to be a part of. And I don't yep. think there's anything wrong with that. I think a lot of times people put shame. Uh, maybe it was... Uh, somehow inculcated into society where they shame homeschoolers back in the day. Oh, they're going to be weird. They're not going to understand society. But now even in today's day and age with technology, you don't really, can't really say that because you have so many like mom groups that get together and have their kids play. Uh, My wife, who's amazing last year, she did a a thing called a thousand hours. Uh, Have you ever heard that? I have heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand hours outside. Yeah. So she, she went through that and, all the power to her. That's very impressive. But she talks about it all the time, how uh, our son can just go and play with sticks and rocks and just be outside and be a kid instead of constantly on the screen. That's the one thing, not the mom shame or dad shame, but that's the one thing that's so sad when I see, like, go to a store or I'm out in society and the kid that's like two or three just has holding their phone right by their face and watching a video just to keep the kid calm. That's always so sad. It's like, let the kid be a kid and let the kid, sometimes it's going to be a little frustrating because they're not going to listen, but that's just the whole part of a a kid growing up. Um, So to to end it off, I, I like ending it off on here is, is there a practice that you implement that helps you get closer to our Lord on a daily basis or weekly basis? Is there something that you do? Um, I'm going to sound so cliche, but I don't care. Um, it is so important to read your Bible. It is incredibly important to read your Bible. I've been doing this study. Um, it's called BSF, Bible Study International, uh, Bible Study Fellowship. Um, and they're actually, my class is for women only, but there's there's classes that are also for men. And my children also go to a class and they learn the same thing I'm learning, except for it's like digestible for, for children. Um, and that's been super helpful because it basically, it literally is just reading directly from the Bible. So my, what I say to people is I don't think that all Bible or all books that are about Bibles and Bible studies are inherently wrong, but I definitely encourage you just to read directly from the Bible. Um, because I think that helps you, you know, it, it filters out all of those extra opinions that other people come, you know, conclusions, we're all human, we're all going to have wrong conclusions at some point about something. And so um, I think that you can read things, but just take it with a grain of salt about what people are saying the Bible is saying, and just read the Bible yourself. Um, and so that's been really helpful. Um, and then also what I'm doing is I'm actually doing one of those, it's so corny, but like the new year started. So you're, I'm starting one of those Bible reading things again, where like every day you read and you try to read through the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that I'm doing right now is really great because it's reading it in the order of everything as it happened instead of like, just, um, you know, like as the Bible's written, because that's two different things. So mm-hmm. um, we, we went from Genesis and then we jumped into Job and then we're going to go back to Genesis because it's based off the timeline of when things are actually happening. Um, and so, yeah, honestly, just the more that I read, the more that I understand God, the more that I focus on the God shot of things of like, what is God trying to communicate with this verse, with this, you know, story, with this, this whole um, chapter I think that that's what brings me closer to him is like just learning more about him instead of just always focusing it on me of like, you know, I think 
you know, application is very important. Like, how does this affect me and what should I be doing in my life? But also, I think just focusing on like, what is God saying and what is God like? I think that's more important because I think that changes you as a person naturally when you're focused on like who God is. And so that's helped me a ton and I, I highly recommend it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Samantha, for coming on. This was great. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks. Me too. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Hey guys, thank you for watching this video. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. I always enjoyed all the interviews that I do. If you are new to this channel or this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel, whichever way you're watching it. If you are on podcast platforms, listen up, listen. I would like you to subscribe, obviously, and then leave the podcast a five-star review, whether you are on Spotify or whether you are on Apple Podcasts. That helps the podcast grow. And as always, just share this podcast with your friends and family. Also, share this YouTube video if you just want to share the YouTube video as well. If you're here on YouTube, that is the best way we can grow this community as a whole. And go to adambuckingham.locals.com if you want to join the community and also support the podcast. So hopefully we can do bigger and better things and have bigger and better interviews, and I can interact with all of you all on a one-to-one -one basis. So go do that. And until next time, I hope you have a blessed week. Bye.